From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Welcome back. My name is John. This is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption. This is the original podcast about consumption. And with me this week is the host of the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast, and his name is Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? John, what's your favorite holiday? I'll go first. Mine is Boxing Day. How about you? Not Boxing Day. I actually don't like that line because I know that's not what Boxing Day is supposed to be about, but that's not <laughs> really a big deal. So I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about either. So, but we're we're feeling festive. It's what else is season. new, right? Yeah, what else is new? We're filling time. You've been watching anything this week, or have you even had a chance to? I've actually watched quite a few things. Quite a few things. That I'd like I didn't to talk watch about. a lot. I fell in a rabbit hole, but I'll let you go first. Okay, well, I fell in a little bit of a rabbit hole too, but I'll cover your ass for a little bit. First off, I watched Talk to Me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what Talk to Me is? The basic because I didn't really know what it was about. I just kind of heard it was good. But I didn't. Really I know, know it's much an A twenty four movie, and it looks like it has a jerk off hand for a bad guy. Yeah, kind of. So it's an A twenty four film. It's Australian, and it's about a girl. Well, these group of friends come and cr- come across an embalmed hand, and when they hold the hand, they light a candle and they say, "Talk to me," and they see somebody on the other that's in limbo, basically someone who's not quite in hell, not in heaven, but they're in the in between. They're in the upside so like down a purgatory cell phone. Yeah, kind of. And you say, what you do is you say, I let you in. I think it's been a little bit since I've seen this. So this spirit or this person in limbo will inhibit that person, the person that's invited them in for 90 seconds. And if they let it go longer than 90 seconds, then it's like it can start to have ill effects. Okay. It's like a big party trick. So there's like a montage with them, you know, all the kids at the party are doing it. (laughs) And, uh, Somebody does it for longer than 90 seconds, of course, because that's why they tell you it can only do it for 90 seconds. Hilarity ensues and bad stuff happens. It's not really gory. I mean, there is one scene in particular that is disturbing a little bit, but it was actually pretty decent. I I wasn't I had heard it was really good. And sometimes, you know, when you hear too many things about a movie, you maybe fall into that hype cycle. Not that I had done that, but I had heard decent things, so I watched it. I watched it late. I don't generally watch movies in my bed, but that was a movie I watched in bed. My wife was like, had the eye mask and everything on. I had headphones in so she couldn't hear any of it. So that was kind of added a little bit of the spookiness. Our friend Jordana said that one was actually pretty good, which surprised me because she likes A24 less than both of us, I think. Well, I do like some A24 movies, but I feel like the A24 is kind of code word for... We're a big fan of Tusk. A24 is kind of code word for pretentious, I think. That's how I take it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. It's kind of loosely on the like to do list, but not imperative for me. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. So take that for what it's worth. I had a feeling we were going to have to talk about it for this at some point. Well, that'd be, that's a thing. I just want to know after watching that movie, where do, where are old people lining up to be disgustoids in movies? Florida. Like, where do you go to find the most, like, I'm old. I want to be a gross, disgusting thing in a movie. It's Florida. You don't get old people, though. You just get, like, 30-year-olds that look like they're 90. That look really old. Yeah. Maybe that's true. Uh, I've also watched, just the other night, I watched Suitable Flesh, which is the new... I don't know what that is. It's a Heather Graham's in it and um, Barbara Crampton. I think it's based on a Lovecraft story. There are some kind of Cthulhu-like characters in it. So it's kind of based on a cosmic horror plot. And there's like little Cthulhu characters and stuff. So I had been reading quite a bit of stuff about the movie, about how good it was. And, you know, everybody was singing the praises. And I think like on Roger Ebert's website, which, of course, Roger Ebert is not currently reviewing these films. But I think isn't he dead? Yeah, He's been dead for quite a while. But I That's think what I thought. Is the other one's still alive. Siskel? Gene Siskel. No, he's been dead longer. OK, so I'm not nuts. I mean, maybe you are, but well, not in regards to that subject. So I was looking on Roger Ebert's site because I needed to know what other people thought of this, because like I said, I'd been reading things and seeing things online and they were talking. I was getting the impression that this was actually a decent movie. So I went, sat and watched it on RogerEbert.com. It's got three stars and I don't know what the scale is. I think it's actually out of three. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, Suitable Flesh to me was this. This kind of sums it up when the characters smoke, they'll blow smoke rings and they're obviously digital poorly done digital effects so this is my exact note that i wrote while watching the movie 
Fake smoke rings, overacting, straight to DVD, looking nothing of a movie. It felt very local playhouse production of, they have like Looney Tunes style wipes, you know, where Porky the Pig comes out and he says, but that's all folks. Like they had one of those kind of wipes. That type of thing. Yeah. Like circular. Yeah. Like he's literally wiping. Yes. And I I just tick top wipes where they show the person in the underwear and then they wipe the clothes back on because that's a thing. I usually say where they're nude, but no, that's a little bit more higher tech than this. But okay, I kept watching it to see what happened. And that doesn't mean that I enjoyed it. So (laughs) it was like interesting. I wanted to know what happened, but I didn't enjoy 90 percent of the movie. My, the thing I enjoyed the most was, was it at the level of hate watch a little bit. Maybe when the end came up, that's that's the part I like the most about that movie. Uh, other than that, I started watching. There's a documentary and I think it's on Max on HBO Max or Max or whatever it's called. Uh, Love has won the cult of Mother God. I don't know if you know about Mother God, but it's this woman, regular lady who she finds spirituality, quote unquote, on the Internet. She's like really early in on YouTube streaming and she had this house and she was mother God and there she would all her sexual partners essentially would become father God. And so the documentary, I think it's a three parter, you know, it's like one of those HBO things where it's it's a limited series, quote unquote. That seems really interesting. The thing about it is the documentary starts off where the police raid the house because they did a wellness call and they didn't get her. Someone called about her like, hey, where is she? We haven't seen her. And they ended up finding her mummified corpse in this bed where her father oh. God was sleeping with her for a, a long while because she looked quite dead. Okay. We'll see where it goes. I don't know the whole story. Obviously, I'm watching this documentary. And the rabbit hole that I fell into was watching a lot of thumbnails of 55-minute explainer videos about YouTubers talking about other YouTubers. Like, if I've been scrolling through my YouTube, because that seems like that's what I've been doing lately, the two hours before I go to bed is just scrolling through YouTube to watch, find something interesting to watch. And it's a lot of people that I recognize that are YouTubers as thumbnails on other YouTubers' videos that are 55-minute videos telling you how awful they are or how they've, like, what happened to just this shit? It's like, how much of YouTube is just people explaining shit to people who don't know anything about YouTube? That's an open-ended question. I don't know, but I've had, a, I feel like YouTube's kind of, for a lot of stuff, hit like a creative rut. And, I, and I've and i noticed that channels on YouTube kind of go in flows like that, where they'll have like a good couple months, and then there'll be like a couple months where it's like, how come everyone has like nothing interesting to say for all of November, or, you know, whatever month it is? They're not watching Ninja November. I guess. Fucking bunch of jerks. I found that if I actually watch these like 30 second videos that are just like little quick hits of stupid shit or like meme type stuff. Now my algorithm, my front page has started to reconfigure and it's showing a mixture of all this crazy shit and some of the explainer videos. So maybe I'm just digging myself deeper into the hole. I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, my algorithm's all fucked because I use uh, YouTube to look stuff up at work. So it's like porn. Yes. Horror movies, porn work stuff i'm like that's a really weird like way to jerk off but we gotta do what we gotta do right you're watching the educational videos of um people getting breast exams and shit yeah and rectal the robot rectal exam thing exams jesus christ did you have when you were younger did your cable service i'm assuming you had cable at some point did they have the local access or the educational channel where they would have like suny New York University or whatever would have like the breast exam videos and they'd have like people that were on and they'd be like, uh, they'd be doing a survey on it. It was channel nine or 11. It was one that's somewhere between it was like, that low because it, it was a public access channel for well, us. We had one that was, was like in a, with the public access channels. We had one that was educational and there was the breast exams and got real excited when that was on. And there was one about the people like, well, have you used marijuana? And, the, and it would, you know, they're from like the late 70s or whatever. So we'd see the people that they would say, yeah, you know, they'd be doing these health screenings. And it's basically teaching people how to do these health screenings and stuff in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And the guy that would answer that he smoked marijuana, we'd think that was like hilarious. And we'd want to watch that one a bunch. But the breast exams, top notch. Those days in the 90s, we had to really stretch for where we could find boobs, didn't we? Horror films in the woods breast exam videos top three places oh yeah don't for don't forget the uh random box of porn that was left in the woods yeah that was always a good one i got hit in the head with a baseball bat because i was trying to go back to find <laughs> the porn the, the magazine in the woods yeah and i didn't find it and then i was riding home and some kid i didn't that didn't like me hit me <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot doesn't it john 
kind of at a loss for words here on that one. Well, he threw it like a javelin, so it wasn't like a swing. That almost sounds like it could be worse. The, the javelin? The spearing? Well, maybe not. the skull? I just, I'm going to put it out there. I don't think getting hit in the head with a bat in any manner is a recommendable activity. Well, it's definitely not an aspiration you should live up to. I mean, when I grow up, I'm going to get hit in the head with a bat. I mean, maybe if you're on Jackass, but that's about the yes. only way I could see it being <laughs> profitable. I'm Johnny Knoxville, and welcome to Jackass. So what did you watch, John? So I didn't really have time to watch a lot somehow. I did make time to... So when this comes out, Let's Talk Horror should have a new episode out featuring Black Christmas. So I did watch that. I watched it twice to make sure I didn't miss anything in it, because it's an in-depth movie, you know? But I actually did enjoy that quite a bit more than I... It's got that 70s doing a lot more with a lot less type vibe to it, so it was kind of fun to revisit that. And I haven't watched that in quite a while. Check that out if you haven't if you haven't already. That's on BP front of the show. He's uh, been on, will be on soon again to talk about another movie. But did that, and then the other thing I what I really have been wasting time on. I found all the episodes of Insomniac to rewatch. So I've been watching David Tell get drunk late at night and wander around different cities. And you know, I know they did Parts Unknown with uh, Bourdain, which was kind of the same concept except it included daytime, but. How come we don't have shows where they just give a guy a one-man camera crew and a budget to go get drunk in random cities anymore? We need to get a Patreon started, and that's what we so can, we can do. do that? Yeah, and we'll talk about movies in random places where we get drunk. What? So what um, cities have you watched episodes for so far? I'm in season two, so I know he's done, let's see, New York, of course, Philadelphia, Chicago. I'm way out of order on these, by the way. Tijuana. <laughs> yeah, Tijuana was a good one. I like the San Francisco one a lot. I haven't done that one yet, I don't think. New Orleans. I think the first episode was also New York. I think he started and ended in New York, if I remember right. I don't. I'm, I could be wrong, there though. Houston. I don't remember where else, but it, it's fun. Like I, I really enjoyed the Chicago episode because he starts at some bondage club or some shit like that, and then goes to this like midnight comic convention. And gets really bummed out. He's like, it's in a hotel and he's trying to find a hotel party. And he keeps, he goes in the first room and they call it a party, but it's just a bunch of fucking nerds looking at pictures of the Hubble telescope. <laughs> so he gets pissed off and leaves. So he goes, he's still walking through the hotel, walking through the hotel, finds another quote, quote, party, walks in. It's a bunch of nerds fucking watching anime. One of the guys looks like the dad from Bob's Burgers. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go get some beer. And then they cut to him at some other titty park, like judging a thong contest or something. I like David Tell as a comedian to begin with. And I forgot how much I like that show, even though it is shot horribly. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if you call it, is that reality TV? I guess that is. I guess so. No yeah, unscri- I mean, so. unscripted to an extent. Right. But he's pretty good at just kind of like randomly, or at least I bet there's a lot more, less randomness to it than what we see on the, you know, 20 minute episode from what he does but he does a good job of making it seem seem like he just randomly finds weird looking people and is like well i'm gonna just start talking to this guy who's got his dick bulge hanging out and is wearing a mariachi wrestling costume or something in the middle of a male strip club i watched that i i feel like it was during the pandemic like lockdown lockdown i was like i i'm drinking a lot i should watch this show yeah i don't even have a good reason why i fell into it other than i just wanted i didn't want to you know, I always go back and watch Seinfeld or It's Always Sunny or, you know, a handful of shows I've seen too many fucking times. I didn't want to watch any of those particular shows. So I was just kind of keying through like what was available to stream. And when that popped up, I'm like, good enough. And by like episode three, I'm like, well, I guess I'm in this rabbit hole now. So that's most of what I've been watching this week is David Tall walking around drunk in different cities. Could be worse. It, oh, it could be way worse. Could be watching Suitable Flesh. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Lovecraft fan. Like, I, I, I can't think of anything that's HP Lovecraft that I actually like. Some of the artwork looks kind of cool, I guess, but doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and get into this week's topic. So we're back, and as we mentioned, we are going to talk about our topic of the week, and this week we are talking about the movie Violent Night. This movie came out last year, and I wanted to talk about this movie last year when it came out. Shit just didn't work on the calendar. The time frame 
you know, it by the time we would have been able to to talk about it, it would have been after Christmas, and no one wants to talk about Christmas after Christmas. So we're doing it now. Why don't you read the plot real quick? Because I forgot to pull up a third party review, so I'm going to pull one up while you do that, and then we'll get into it. You're going to be on the naughty list for that one, John. That's fine. So the the storyline, the plot, whatever we call it, says on IMDb, it says, when a group of mercenaries attack the estate of a wealthy family, Santa Claus must step in to save the day and Christmas. And then if we go down the storyline, the official synopsis by official synopsis, you can tell because it says official synopsis says, when a team of mercenaries breaks into a wealthy family compound on Christmas Eve, taking everyone inside hostage, the team isn't prepared for a surprise combatant. Santa Claus is on the grounds, and he's about to show why this Nick is no saint. <laughs> so our third-party review is going to come from Teresa, and I'm mostly reading it because it's just horribly written and also <laughs> very inaccurate. <laughs> Teresa, though, Teresa D, gives us five stars out of five, and she says, that was very original. It's not. Funny, different, some violence, like Fargo-like, but, like, I really liked it. Like, five stars. It's a lot like Fargo. I mean, there's snow. Got that. There's a there's a, wood chipper. Like a chipper scene. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna like start with the easiest thing on this. This is actually a pretty fun movie. Before we go too far into the rabbit hole, there's the concept of this movie is pretty simple. Like this movie is I know you read the plot, but it's essentially throw home alone, die hard, and just well choreographed fight scenes, but poorly lit fight scenes into a blender, and then sprinkle in some kind of generic R-rated humor, and this is kind of what you get with mistletoe for Christmas. The The concept of this is pretty simple. Santa shows up at this house. He's kind of a prick, but bad guys show up and Santa has to save the day. I mean, we're not going out on a limb, but I don't know. I This is a fun one. The tone of the movie works in this. It's a very, it's a very easy movie for me to see myself revisiting pretty much every Christmas because you don't have to think about it all too much. It's got enough going on in it to kind of keep my interest. Okay, so do we want to get to hot dogs then? No, not yet. So just to mention, this movie is available on all the streaming services. You can rent it for four bucks for 4K. You can watch it for that amount of money, whatever. You can, you can buy it for 10 bucks. <laughs> so let's just get into this stars David Harbour as Santa Claus. It has John Leguizamo as Scrooge is his name. He's the guy that leads all the people that are infiltrating this compound. He's the baddest of the bad guys. Yes. We've got Edie Patterson, who is on Righteous Gemstones. As the sister, which I can't remember her name for some reason right now, Beverly D'Angelo plays the monarch of the family. And we start out with the movie and Santa Claus, he's basically disgruntled. Like he's thinking he's going to hang it up. He's not going to do this anymore. He's sitting in a pub in England and a mall Santa from England comes in the UK, wherever, whatever that place is, the mythical land of the UK. I'm an so, American. Well, I don't know anything about geography. Yes, John. You, you are the uh, resident Hallmark movie guy, expert. Did you recognize the mall Santa that comes in and starts talking to him? I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. No, I, I don't. I don't. I didn't recognize. I guess he's a regular on the Hallmark Christmas movies as Santa. That's why they, that he got that role as like the bar oh, Santa. Yeah, no, I, I don't watch a lot of the Santa ones. I'm watching one more of the ones where they're falling in love with their high school sweetheart or hometown sweetheart or the person that has a, has a single dad or whatever. That's more of the Hallmark stuff that I watch. I thought they were all the same. Anyway, mm-hmm. if you want to hear us talk about a Hallmark, Hallmark movie, you can go back to last year. That happened. You can be one of the 25 people to listen to last year's movie <laughs> that we talked about Hallmark shit for for Christmas. So he's dis- disenfranchised. Basically, Santa has the same opinion about Christmas as John and I probably do, that it's over commercialized and it's all about consumerism and blah, 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 blah. And Santa is like, kids aren't believing anymore. It's kind of like Ed Asner and Elf. You know, he needs the kids to believe in him or all that happy horse shit. and. But this Santa is kind of cool because he gets wasted and he pukes on people and he pisses off his sleigh when he's flying around the country and the countries, the world, I guess. He's a worldly kind of character. Well, yeah. And yeah, he just happens to land at this house where he finds this liquor cabinet that's pre-war liquor cabinet, as he, he claims. And it's the house of this very rich family who has gotten into a little bit of trouble. I love how he pours pre-war whiskey into a glass that had milk in it, and it's just... <laughs> he throws the milk, yeah, he's like, oh, perfect. I know, it, I'd probably fall asleep from that, too, because it, it's, I don't know, that just seems like comatose right there. There are quite a few scenes where, where Santa slips into the ether a few times because he's 
drunk. And the thing that I like about this movie, too, is that not only do you get this whole Santa Claus thing, you know, you get obviously Santa Claus and you get the whole thing, but there's this they don't get into it when he talks. He's talking to the, there's a little girl in the family and she's the youngest one. And she kind of is the one that still believes in Christmas and believes in Santa. She's pretty much the heartbeat of the whole movie. He Santa tells her the story about when he, you know, he was a warrior and his Warhammer crush uh, skull crusher. I would love to see a prequel movie and maybe we'll see one. I don't know. David Harbour's still young enough to do it. I mean, this just came out last year. I would love to see a pre a prequel or another movie that incorporates more of that whole kind of Santa Claus. He wasn't Santa then, but he's kind of like Santa the Conqueror kind of character. David Harbour is perfect for this. I agree. Because he's an imposing character or an imposing actor. He's also he's perfect for this because he is that he's an imposing guy. But like you see him with the shirt off enough, like he's a big dude, but it's not like he's the rock or Jason Momoa where he's like crammed into a gym for like 18 hours a day. Like the, the flub looks a little extra though. I mean, it looks like he he's floating. He's not, this isn't his weight. Yeah. Well, that's fine. If he looks like the kind of guy who's, you ever see those guys that play football and like they stop playing, but they just start crushing beer like every day, all day, but they still somehow say kind of like in shape by like your mind standards but like not by their standards. That's pretty much what he is. He's like the good old boy who just can't gain weight, but can gain enough fat. So he doesn't have like abs. Yeah. I like that description. I agree with that. But yeah, he is. He is great. And just like you and me, Yeah, just like you and me. Sure. (laughs) I have an ab under there somewhere, maybe. So just one and ab. Yeah. Named him Abelor. Anyway, no, you're right. David Harbour is great in this movie. Like he is, Arguably one of the better Santas that I've seen in film, not just because he looks the part really well, but he's actually really fucking funny in this movie. Like, I I can't tell like the to me, the funniest part about this movie, I guess I'm all over the place and I don't care. We'll go ahead with that. It wouldn't be the first time we skipped all over. But I thoroughly love any time in this movie where Santa kills someone and just kind of (laughs) goes as they're like burning or bleeding out or whatever like he does that like jolly santa laugh in the process of like murdering like dudes with no issue and it it lands really well because it's it almost feels right for the character except then you remember it's santa and i think you buried the lead a little bit because this is the first instance of saying when santa kills someone oh yeah <laughs> but i think the thing going back to I, David Harbour, violent night i mean yes it is and the, and it is very it's I'll get we'll get back to that in a second. But I think the thing about David Harbour is he he very much David Harbour's this role up. He is what you would expect him to be. He is like the popper character from Stranger Things wrapped up with some Hellboy, you know, wrapped up with some, I don't know, Eastern Promises, David Harbour wrapped up with some. He's got like little touches of like 80s, little touches of like 80s Schwarzenegger with the one liners. Little touches of John McClane with the, like, don't give a fuck about what's going on here. Just want to get out of this. He's not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, all that. Had to get that Kevin Smith reference in this episode, so. Does he have a Kevin Smith connection? Am I missing <laughs> No, that? I'm just, you know, that's the running thing here. That's what we do. We do bring him up a lot for two guys that I don't know that either one of us would call ourselves fans of his at this point. <laughs> you know, he had a heart attack. I heard. So anyways, um, yeah, this, this, I think you, when you say John McClane, I don't really see the, the Schwarzenegger, but this movie very much takes a lot of influence from, or a lot, you know, stylistically takes a lot from Home Alone. There's like a whole Home Alone segment in the middle of the movie where it's like, it's, it flips the script because it does Home Alone, but it's very brutal. It's like the very realistic, this is what would happen if you did these Home Alone things. And we get a lot of, I think when you kind of pitched this movie to me originally, the thing that kind of sold me on it, you were like, this is basically Die Hard. Die Hard. It's a Die Hard Christmas movie. Die Hard with Santa, basically. And that has that in spades. Like, this very much has that. There's like, I mean, to even just to kind of sum it up a little bit even more concise than this blathering explanation that I'm doing is they have scenes... Uh, we're both blathering today. It happens. Yeah, I know. But they, they, they have the snowmobile scenes that we saw in Die Hard 2. You mm-hmm. know, there's it's outside a lot of it. So you get a lot of that stuff. You get the inside stuff where it's very much like uh, Nakatomo. What is it? Na- Nakatomi Plaza. Sakatomi Random. Yeah, you get that whole kind of feeling when they're inside. There's like the, the bank vault. There's the 
or the vault under the house, not necessarily a bank vault. Leguizamo is playing like the Hans Gruber kind of character. And, and the thing that's, I think the thing that's, that's funny about the whole thing is everybody that's ba- a bad guy, quote unquote, has like this vendetta against Christmas and nobody more than Scrooge, a.k.a. John Leguizamo. I, I don't think he's really the Hans. So I don't think Leguizamo is the Hans Gruber of the movie. Um, I think he's kind of the polar opposite of Hans Gruber because he just honestly, the bad guys all just like might as well have came in and just taken a bite off the mantle because they chew the scenery so fucking hard through this whole movie, especially John Leguizamo or Scrooge is like leading the charge with that. Like he overacts the shit out of everything in this movie. It's fine. Like it's actually That's kind, kind of, of his MO for the last. 10 to 15 years though so it's kind of be expected when you see him that he's going to be in a movie you're like okay th- he's going to play this character i mean a lot of times he he wasn't like that in the menu which is the last thing i saw with him before this but that's beside that we're not talking about that movie right now the guy like there's a couple dudes like the dude who's dressed up like an elf i i i want to say his name's krampus just because this guy in his picture kind of looks like him yeah he's krampus he says some of the weirdest shit in this movie and it plays pretty well, but these bad guys are either super stereotypical Russian guys that like just play the tough and go like pound on people or they just like act fucking bizarre as shit or they chew scenery. That's their three modes that they have. Russian, Russian? bizarre. I I don't know. I didn't write it that way, but it kind of works because I mean, frankly, like outside of Santa and Trudy's a girl, right? I think so. Yeah. True, Gertrude, Gertrude, little Gertrude. Yeah, that's right. Gertie. Outside of Santa, Trudy's the only person in this movie that you really give a shit about. I mean, frankly, everyone in this movie is a piece of shit human being. Yeah, they're all horrible people. Yeah, except for the little girl and Santa. Like, those are the two people in this movie that you actually like that are aside from like, you know, walk on characters. What about Morgan Steele, the the actor, the, the boyfriend? His Christmas gift. So Beverly D'Angelo is like the monarch again of this family. And she's the one that. Yeah, I guess we should say what actually happens in this movie at some point. So the, the family's coming together for Christmas. The the mother and father of Trudy are split. They're separated. And Beverly D'Angelo, again, is the head of this really wealthy family. And they have all these ties. Think of them as like, a I don't know, like a like Unilever a or something. Yeah, some family that has a lot of influence and they have a lot of money. and. What happens is the U.S. government gives her company some three hundred million thousand, three hundred million thousand, three hundred million dollars for something, and I don't remember exactly what it's for. But the the family kind of takes the money. It kind of goes, I don't know, under the radar, and they kind of snatch it for themselves. And the family's all coming together. So the two, the siblings, which are Jason and Alva, who are played by Alex Hassel and Edie Patterson, they are getting together, and the whole thing is a lot about how they suck up to their mom because their mom holds the purse strings. You know, they work for the company, but they want to move up and they're hoping this is the year that, that Beverly D'Angelo says like, Hey, I'm going to step down. I'm going to give the reins to this kid because you know, it's a whole favoritism contest kind of thing. And Trudy just wants her parents to get back together. And Santa, again, he finds all the liquor and whatnot, but the, the bad guys are very relatable Santa. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Especially (laughs) to this audience. Leguizamo right. Scrooge shows up and he wants to take the money. He's been casing the family for quite a while. He's a, has a lot of intel. He knows kind of the routines. He knows a lot of the security personnel and he's there to take the money. So they they make siege on the on the compound and they're trying to they're holding everybody hostage to try and get, you know, somebody to fess up on how they can get this money. And all the people there, Jason and Alva and their significant others are there, their children. Uh, there's there's Bertrude, who is like the stereotypical, I don't know, influencer kind of kid that's on Instagram Live or Snapchat or whatever. And he's the bragging one about the money. Really like to at least see him get his ass kicked that doesn't get his ass kicked. He was the one that very satisfying to see him get punched or pistol whipped yeah. or whatever happens to him several times throughout the movie. So it's a bit basically like Die Hard. I mean, if you've seen Die Hard, you've kind of seen this movie, but it's got that Santa twist. And the thing that I like about this movie because it it is very much a Christmas movie, right? I mean, the the hero is Santa. Trudy's like the girl that believes in Santa. But I love that. It's got the look of a Christmas movie where it's very decorated and warm and. Yeah. Snowy. Yeah. Lots of decorations. Yeah. The thing that I love is that when you sit down 
around this time of year, you know, we get off Halloween and Halloween is obviously all about horror and all about this, the icons of, of horror and all the scary characters and, you know, just the suspense, the thrilling nature of it all. And you kind of get past October and it's just a big fucking, it's a wet fart. Like then it's all about Christmas. I mean, there's not a lot of Thanksgiving movies. Obviously Thanksgiving comes out this year, but there aren't a whole lot of Thanksgiving movies that probably this audience really gives a shit about. And then we get into Christmas and it's all sappy shit. You know, it's all about missing your family or getting with your family. The Hallmark bullshit, the great American family bullshit, the, you know, the, the, the hell of lifetime Christmas movies that I've been living for the last several weeks by now. This movie puts that shit on its ear. This is a very violent, very gory, very just like over the top action movie about Christmas. And the hero is Santa. Like how much more could you want from him? You know, it, it came comes out at a at a very I don't know. Like it couldn't come out at a better time because you're just mired in all the sappy lovey dovey bullshit. And it's like this is a movie you can kind of rally behind. You know. Well, and the other thing to kind of piggyback on that. I mean, everything you said is a hundred percent accurate, but it's a very very simple movie at the same time. I mean, there is a plot there and there is a story there, but you kind of find yourself pretty quickly once things start happening being like i really don't give a shit i'm watching santa like play eight ball in this guy's face and i'm kind of okay with that like that's all it really really this movie is a you know we've i feel like we've said this a lot coming off a ninja november but this movie is a vessel to go from one over the top like action sequence to another but it's it's entertaining and it is kind of mindless entertainment like i'm more than willing to be on board the like two hour don't think about it train but and just to emphasize, when you say two hour, don't think about a train, this is an hour and 52 minutes. I know. And that's one of my negatives that we'll get to at some point here. But I mean, for the most part, this movie is the kind of movie that you, you know, I say it all the time. Like, I like movies where I can put them on and just kind of shut down and not really have to think about anything. And this is as far as like, this is a perfect compromise movie because I can't be told you're not watching a Christmas movie because there's <laughs> Santa right there. He's kicking the shit out Look, of someone. But that is Santa. He's right there. Right. And in fairness, my wife, who loves all those like sappy Christmas movies that you just mentioned, she likes this movie. So, you know, it's it's a good it's a pass, you know, that helps. You just need a break at right. some point, you know, I mean, you got Die Hard, you've got what Elf? Well, you got some of the old classic comedies like you got Christmas Vacation or Bad Santa or, you know, those type of things. But you this, there's not a even Die Hard like compared to this Die Hard feels like a much more structured story than what this is like there's a lot more going on and a lot more character development and, and frankly a lot more depth of everything in die hard than there is in this movie and that's that's great like that's not a negative like on either side but this movie just kind of wears what it is on its sleeve and says we got santa kicking ass and that's what we're going to show you yeah i don't know if i necessarily agree with you on that i mean i think they're equal kind of footing i don't think this is die hard too by any means or die hard but I think it's kind of, it's equal. I mean, Die Hard isn't that complex. <laughs> this is just as complex as, as Die Hard is. The storyline, the shit going on in this. I, I think Alan Rickman's such a great bad guy that adds a couple points on it. I mean, Leguizamo's, since what, since Spawn, he's, I'll go back to my previous statement. Since Spawn, he's been basically playing the same character, other than the here and there, the one-off that you're going to tell me about, you know. Was Spawn before or after Mario Brothers? Way after, yeah. I mean, not way after. It wasn't like decades, but it was after. Because I think Mario was one of his first bigger roles. I don't feel like Spawn was a big role, but that's fine. Yeah, but he was. So. That was he was he made that movie. Like if he wasn't playing yeah, clown, that's true. Nobody's gonna watch that cheesy shit. Don't think anyone watches it even with him playing clown. Yeah, but he's the only redeeming quality. That's I'm gonna true. leave it. I don't want to talk about clowns anymore today. <laughs> So you mentioned the runtime on that. That's kind of the biggest problem with this movie is there is, I'd say probably about 15 minutes you could trim off this movie pretty comfortably and tighten it up quite a bit. And unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with the, I guess, trivial stuff where they're trying to build character around John Leguizamo, where he's spending time being mad at all the people we already don't like and trying to get information to get into this vault. And it, some of those scenes drag on like a solid two to five minutes and it's like you could have got in and out of there in a tight 30 seconds and then moved right on to the next ass kicking scene well i mean if we're being honest if this was a situation where you're holding hostages and you're like i need the code to get into this vault right 
and you got six people or eight people, or whatever, you're killing somebody. You're not threatening to do it and then threatening it again 20 minutes later and then threatening it again 20 minutes later. You're just doing it. Like, look, you're the leader. You know the shit. Give me the combination. Oh, you're not going to tell me? Okay, poof. Now this is proof that I'm serious. I just killed, you know, your youngest grandchild or whatever. Now I'm moving up to the next person. You're going to give the code up. You know, that's, we could have cut this movie. It could have been 20 minutes and we could have had another hour of character building and there we go. We got an hour and 20 minute movie. But it's the full ride. You know, you're there for the full thing. You're there because it's just like continual action building on more action building on more action you know so it's there's no real suspense you know what's going to happen and that's arguably the truth with 90 percent of movies that you watch you know what's going to happen you know what the outcome is going to be speaking from a as a hallmark slash lifetime movie you know a fit not aficionado but maybe expert the real the 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 expert of the show you know how 100 percent of those movies are going to end so this one it's just nice that it's falling asleep on the couch In the doghouse, maybe, because you said you didn't want to watch the next one. But, um, yeah, I mean, you you know, there's you get the action. I mean, I'm I'm as long as it's entertaining, I'm cool with if it's I mean, I don't want it to be four hours long, but I'm good with two hours. I think that it, it kind of it's a movie. <laughs> it is definitely a movie. But no, I mean, that's really <laughs> it's funny. Like, I thought we were going to have so much more to say about this movie, but there's upon starting to talk about it. There's really not a ton to say. Like, it really is just that this is. Probably the most 80s slash 90s feeling action movie that we've had in quite some time. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It just has fun, fun with, you know, when you see a movie that's called Violent Night and you're sold Santa Claus but violent, it, it just it delivers it. on it. Yeah, not false advertisement. Yeah, I mean, there, it's got some stuff where it tries to play on, like, I don't know if I would go as far to say, like, superhero tropes where it has the... Like, I'm thinking specifically of the scene where he gets the sledgehammer and does his whole little, like, you know, pre-fight sledgehammer dance or whatever. <laughs> That's a little cheesy. Hey, I'm, ne- I'm never against sledgehammer dances, just for the record. Yeah, I'm not against the sledgehammer dance, but it's long. It's exaggerated. And that scene really is kind of like the, like, highlight of the movie because it leads into this, like, well, that's where the wood chipper is, right? That's where he, like, basically well, the goes. Oh, snowblower. Yeah. But. Yeah. Was it a snowblower? I thought it was a wood chipper, but no, it's way. A, the augers of a snowblower. I've got a similar one. Oh, well, <laughs> good to know. <laughs> don't cross me. I have a sledgehammer. I have a sledgehammer, but I don't <laughs> have a snowblower like that. So you combine, we could become Santa. There we go. I feel like you couldn't do. I think it kind of goes back to the point I made earlier. This would be I would love to see the movie about how Santa becomes this number one, how he becomes Santa. But like leading up to it, all these adventures that he had pre-Santa. How would you, how you would sell that? I have no idea. Whatever his name was, Nico, whatever, you know, like who's going to go see Violet Knight one and a half or whatever, the the prequel, you know, and you're going to, what's the the legend of Santa and how he becomes the crazy guy that gives out the gifts. But I do like how they incorporate (laughs) the bag. With Skullcrusher, the, uh, murder hammer or whatever how does santa get a hold of his skull crusher but i love the the some of the little lower things they throw in you know the bag and there are scenes where he's just he's trying to find an improvised weapon he's just pulling gifts out of the bag and it's just like a comic book you know a a video game video game after video game and then a copy of die hard (laughs) (laughs) but he's finding no weapons there's a scene where he's fighting somebody and they Punch anime opens a bag and it's like a magic bag. So there's no bottom to it. And they, he kind of punches into this like black hole and pulls out a gift, you know, stuff like that. I thought, fu- I, th- I thought was pretty funny. I thought that there's a scene where, so one of the parents gives Trudy this walkie talkie and it's supposed to talk to Santa and she's talking to him and, and she's talking out basically into the air and Santa gets a walkie talkie at some point. He tunes into the same channel and they're the bad guys. They're talking back and forth and they're talking about, oh, well, if we do this and, and the girl's like, can I say, you know, can I say this word? And he's like, well, we don't, you know, put it, put it up his ass. And he's like, oh, we don't, that's a naughty word. We don't say ass. And it, we, they eventually settle on saying they can like shove it right up the anus, basically, because that's a scientific term. Yeah, I do like how he's like, well, that is scientifically correct. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this is like butthole. directly staggering around. So can I say butthole then? How about anus? And you know, then they reference it later. And I, I thought that uh, the scene where they they're trying to. So, you know, I said, like, oh, well, if this is a real situation, they're just going to off people. And there's a scene where they're like, well, that we're going to 
we're going to torture somebody and we're going to use nutcrackers like the little nutcracker and we're going to break this the son's finger jason's finger uh and get him to talk and then they're like well why don't we use a the this big nutcracker for what it's for cracking nuts and i was like there you go. That's you're going to get me to talk like you. Maybe if I'm super loyal, I can, you know, you could break a few fingers, but you put my nuts in one of those nutcrackers and you wrench down on that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you everything you want to know, like everything and anything and even things I don't know. I was kind of disappointed they didn't have that happen in this movie. Like for all the stuff that they did put in there, have some some flat nuts. Well, for all the stuff that they did put in there, you would think this movie wouldn't be above like squishing a, a fake nutsack in a nutcracker. That's the director's cut. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll be out later this season. Any other memorable scenes or like kills or anything like that that you want to kind of reminisce on? <laughs> Remember, I think the Home Alone stuff was just really funny because the the little girl, Trudy, had just seen Home Alone and she wants to set these booby traps and stuff. And when they first show them, they're very innocuous. They're very much like laughable. Like, oh, yeah, you put a nail through a step on a ladder going up to the attic <laughs> whatever you got this little kind of mini bed of nails but they pay off they're the bowling ball stuff it's the bowling ball is what really made it pay off for me a bowling ball basically hits this guy in the head and that makes his his chin go through this um there's a nail sticking through a ladder and the nail goes through his through the bottom of his chin or under his jaw and there's this whole thing where he's just like Whoa! and you can see the nail in his through his tongue well in his mouth but i don't know if it's through his tongue or whatever but you're just like, oh, my God, that's so painful. You know, you just kind of see it and, <laughs> and wince a little bit. But I, I like that. That scene, I thought, was a good, a nice kind of homage to the Home Alone stuff because Home Alone is so slapstick. And Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern are definitely dead if this is ever happening to them in Home oh, Alone. sure. And this movie, it pays off. So I, I did really enjoy that. Well, and it, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I enjoy Home Alone also, but like, oh, yeah. it's more fun watching this R-rated take on it in this little short cutaway scene that it's very much so like, like you said, the girl sees Home Alone. She's like, hey, I can do that. And then it just goes horribly right and wrong at the same time. And it's exactly what you want to see happen when someone does that. Like it's, it is as far as like that kind of sequence, if you're going to reshoot it for a movie like this, it's about a chef's kiss as you're going to get. Yeah, lots of amazing, unexpected events occur in that little segment. Anything negative that you want to kind of touch on with it, aside from the runtime? No, I, I don't. I mean, I don't really have much of a complaint against the runtime either. I felt like, you know, it I mean, does move pretty well for for the time that it's on, that it's on the screen. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, I you could complain, you can nitpick on stuff, but I think overall, it's like I said, it's it's a nice kind of break break of the monotony of all the sappy bullshit that's out around this time you know we have a few we get to claim a few horror movies for the christmas period we get a couple action movies and then most of the rest of the stuff that we see around this time of year is all you know bringing families together and the sick dog and the guy with no shoes or you know whatever and the family adopts some i don't know some alien from outer space and give them a blowjob i don't know what else they talk about but (laughs) it seems like it's all a bunch of bullshit and this is just a nice kind of change of pace you never know, and then you get a hobo Christmas where you get to watch a guy make trash can hobo stew with his grandson against his cop father wishes. We always have that, don't we? We do have that. <laughs> One of these years, we're going to have to talk about that movie again. Yeah, I don't really have anything too negative. Like I said, I do feel like maybe it's because I had seen it like more than once now. This is probably the third or fourth time that I've seen this. Those scenes where I feel like they could be trimmed up like are more noticeable on like rewatches, I guess. Sure. But I know the first time that I watched this, like, I, I was just kind of having fun with it. I didn't really care. Like I said, though, I, I already, it's been, this is the second Christmas with this movie available, and I've already gone back to it once. So I can say pretty confidently, like, I'll be going back to it. So it just means I know where to get up and grab another eggnog or go take a leak or do whatever you got to do. So light an eggnog, smoke it down. Sure. I don't think... I don't think that would work. Replace the bong water with eggnog. That'd probably be a bad thing. I don't know. That would be okay. <laughs> I don't think you want to cook eggnog, but maybe you're not cooking it. You're just bl- the smoke's just coming through it. Someone out there, please. Uh, so who's this is not getting me? cut. I'm not. We're not <laughs> talking about eggnog and bongs. <laughs> you're not lighting the water. Yeah, I know. Anyway, try it. Try it. I'm not going to try. It. I think someone else should try it and report back. Got to drink it afterwards. Oof. Oh, yikes. 
All right, so now that we thoroughly disgusted ourselves, uh, Sean, give us a hot dog rating for this. Fire up the uh, jolly old Christmas grill. The Yule Log. I'm going to say, for me, this is somewhere between Die Hard 2 and Home Alone. Like I said, I mean, even Die Hard. Die Hard's a Christmas movie, right? Don't want to spark that debate. This movie's a lot of fun, and it's good to have a Christmas movie that's not just romance, sappy stories, characters, families getting together, all that bullshit. Can you tell that I've maybe seen one or two Hallmark movies so far this year already? It's gory. It's bloody. It lives up to its title. Uh, David Harbour, while he's not really normally what I would consider to be a Santa Claus type, he does a really great job steering the ship and kind of, you know, by the end of the movie, you start to believe, you know, why not? It's it's a good way to take a break from the holiday monotony. I mean, for me, I'd give Violet Night, I'd give it seven sledgehammers out of 11 hot dogs. Personally, I really enjoyed it. It was not, I, I didn't know what really to expect, but it kind of exceeded my expectations. It was, it's a fun movie. It's a, it's a little long, but it's fun. I'm kind of right on board with you there. Again, this movie is exactly what I want in an action movie and in a lot of ways, exactly what I want in a Christmas movie. It's not trying too hard to push for any one specific thing. It just is a fun movie with a lot of mindless violence. And the fact that he's Santa just kind of adds to it, but he's an entertaining character regardless of the fact that he's Santa in this movie. It's memorable. It's very rewatchable, especially since you're only going to realistically come back to it once a year, maybe twice through the season. If you're feeling, you know, saucy, I give it a solid seven jolly ho ho hoes out of 10 peppermint shank hot dogs. Ho, ho, ho. I do like the uh, peppermint candy cane shank. That is like the largest candy cane in the world. (laughs) Yeah, this is great scene where he's got the little piece of the candy cane in his mouth and then it sharpens up like you did you know everybody did that as a kid and he's that's that's his weapon of choice for that's like the the combo for the skull skull crusher i I like that i don't know for every time i've watched it i'm like he's gonna jab that in that dude's eye and i won't say what he does but he does not jab it in that dude's eye when he's going to go and shank him with it so and every time he does i'm like oh that's somehow worse spoiler alert it's sounding huh (laughs) he's sounding with the uh with the candy cane oh yeah so yeah we like this movie so that kind of leads us to this week's question of the week because you know that's what we do around here so our question of the week this week was a pretty simple one we're kicking off the holiday season by asking what are you loyal listeners what are you asking santa claus for this year we are going to start over on instagram and we got two responses over there Scott over at the You Run podcast, he gave us the response that all he wants for Christmas is 16 hours of sleep. I don't know if that's 16 hours of sleep over the entire Christmas day, the week, or just over the next year, but over the whole break. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's two hours a day. 16 hours of sleep. That's it. Um, our friend Jordana over at Pretty Killer Podcast is also exhausted. She said that she wants nine hours of an uninterrupted sleep. So she's at least more specific about when she wants to sleep. Pizza, beer, and to fast forward to 2024 for Terrifier 3. Oh, aspire for higher goals, Jordana. Come on. (laughs) Might be my favorite part of this episode right there. (laughs) Over to X, where people are a little bit less sleepy. BP over at Let's Talk Horror gave a pretty simple answer. He said that if he's going to ask Santa for anything, he would ask for him to bring a better year for horror movies, which... I can't really disagree with them. This has been a pretty weak year for horror as far as like new stuff. Well, there's been plenty of new stuff, but not a lot of stuff that's really grabbed my attention. Dissect that turkey, who is more (laughs) accurately dissect that film. That's great. They said a cure for anxiety. I was I told them that they should try weed and that turned into a long discussion that we're not going to go into right now. And then Dave over at. Leprechaun 1981 said a boxing gym membership so I can finally vanquish my enemies or get in better shape. Whatever happens, happens. Hey, New Year, that's what New Year's resolutions are for. Stay tuned for January on the Dewey Pod Monster. So, Sean, what are you, what are you asking Santa for this year? World peace. That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. You know, <laughs> what do you give the man that has all has it all? I don't know. What do you give the man that has it all? Yeah. Two black eyes. You already gave it to him twice. Exactly. What about you, John? What am I asking Santa for? I'm asking for 17 hours of sleep. You know, I like to sleep. I like sleep. I stay up way too late, like every night. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I am a night owl. Absolutely. And I feel okay when I wake up. But I feel like if I slept too long, I'd feel like 
the amount of time that you get off is so fleeting and so short that I don't want to spend 16 hours or nine hours or whatever sleeping. I want to like, I'm good with six or five or whatever. And then we're just going to move on to the next thing. And it's too much shit to watch. Can't take that much time off. I usually get a broken six or five. And you know what I've realized every time I've ever woken up in my life, I just want to go the fuck back to sleep. That's true. Yeah. When you wake up, it's like, I can't wait. I'm not going to be an idiot. I'm going to go to bed early tonight. And then it's the next yeah, night. No, and you're like, no, no. I, got, I got these uh, 55 minute videos about YouTubers explaining other YouTubers downfall to watch. I got to go watch classic movies like Street Trash and then talk about them <laughs> to other people on the Internet. Yeah, exactly. Can't be wasting time with sleep. I got to so. watch Black Devil Doll from Hell. That too. For the or other time. nonsense. So I got to smash my dick with a hammer. Oh, wait. I mean, only if it's called Dick Crusher. Stay on topic here, because we've done so well with that today. Head Crusher. Speaking of potential trash movies, so if you like trash, I don't know for sure, because next week we're talking about a movie that neither of us has seen yet, but it very well could be the trashiest movie that we've watched this year, saying the bar high, let's hope. Or it might not be. We'll find out. But I think that's where we're going to wrap up for this week with that little uh, tease of information in there. So... In the meantime, find out what movie it is that we're watching, because honestly, I don't remember the name of it right now. I'll have to look it up. Uh, you can follow us on all the social media networks. We're at Dewey Pod Monster. Pretty much anywhere that you can find us, just search us. It will be there. And of course, you can check us out on our website, which is Crap.Town, or on our YouTube channel. And Sean, tell me, what am I forgetting? What else do I need to tell people? Well, I was going to say, if you want to answer the question of the week and have it read on this fine podcast that tens of people listen to every week you can respond on all the social media like john just mentioned at dewey pod monster and if you want to find me on social networks you can find me at draft therapy or you can watch my michigan beer adventures at youtube.drafttherapy.com damn fucking right boom that's it merry christmas <laughs> it's not like this is the christmas episode it's yeah it's the first one. week of the christmas of the episodes the gift that keeps on giving Maybe next week I'll be like, Merry Dickmas, and just move on to something Happy New else. Year. I don't know. You feel like animal. Keep this change. For Christ's sake, you have to keep that in somewhere. So. <laughs> oh, I will. Are we done? Can I stop this? Yes. Three, two, one. All right. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's show's over. That's the quickest show ever. So. <laughs>